So, yeah, just to introduce you to, um, obviously, the players and parents at our club. Obviously, Colby is, obviously, uh, the Razorbacks in Arkansas, and he's got a record. He's been there eight seasons, and has a record of 99-61 and 18 across there, and he's been in the NCAA tournament appearances for six years running now, so stretching back to 2013 and right up to this year as well. And he's overseen 14 all-regional players, 16 all-conference, one academic All-American, one scholar All-American, and 105 SEC academic honour roll selections as well. And prior to him joining the Razorbacks, he was assistant coach at uh, UCS, that's the University of Central Florida, where he worked with Amanda Cromwell, who's now the head coach at UCLA. So definitely esteemed um, profession in terms of where he's come from and where he's going in his journey as well. So we're absolutely delighted to, to have you online and discussing all the questions that players and, and parents would like to know about the college process. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the intro. So, uh, Colby, first question for myself is, um, I just wanted to know, how did you get into coaching? How did you first get into uh, the coaching side? Well, Steve, Steve Miles was actually a big part of that. So I was working for a company called Tyco in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I played at Oral Roberts in Tulsa. And, yeah. um, you know, at the time, Steve and a guy by the name of Roy Reese were working for a club there, and, and they wanted someone to uh, help coach some of their uh, women's club teams. So um, he just kind of asked me, and I started coaching. And year one, we had to put together a U15 club team. And, you know, by the end, I was, I'd had three club teams, and I was coaching a boys' high school team and assistant coach at ORU. So I left a pretty good job in the real world to work for Stevie Miles for basically peanuts. So that was my uh, start to coaching. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what did, uh, so you mentioned boys, so obviously now you uh, primarily focus on the girl side. Is there a reason for that or did, did you uh, prefer that or is it just how it felt? Yeah, that's just how it fell. I mean, those are the opportunities that presented themselves. I played at Oral Robertson at the time. Uh, Kyle Cousins was the men's coach when I played, and he got the women's job. And so that was my kind of introduction into college, which is where I decided to make it a, a full-time thing. Great. That's great. Um, I'll do that. Before we start on some of the questions that we've got from parents and uh, some of the people at the club, Colby, I just, I've got another question for you for myself. Um, and yeah. this might be a difficult one because this, this is a tough one. But um, if you can't name the best player you've coached, I know there's there'll probably be quite a few that spring to mind. Why do they, why do certain players stand out for you? What qualities do you look for in players? That's a that's a really good that's a really good question. And you know, as soon as you say it, you know, four, five, six players um, jump out. And number one, like the first thing I did was go to what would be the common denominator because one of them is a goalkeeper, two of them are forwards. You know, it's definitely mentality. Um, resilience, like toughness, like all of them had things that they went through either before they got to where I was coaching them or while I was coaching them that they had yeah. to overcome. Yeah. Um, and it just yeah. built that kind of mental resolve where in the big games they were able to perform a peak performance, you know, because you have the players that would separate like lots of good ones yeah. and they would have good, yeah. good games. But those elite ones, if you were to say a top five, all of them had their biggest games and biggest games in the, in the matches that were, were the biggest for the club and uh, I would say just kind of that mental the, the, the you know they weren't relying on other people for their confidence they kind of um, came of it on their own just they've been through something and come out the other side just kind of resilience really 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, we've, it's funny you should say that. We and uh, David here have spoken about the players we played with, against, and we were coached. And actually, I've spoken, I spoke uh, during the week last week to um, a guy that's been played internationally, played for one of the top sides in the world. And uh, I asked him a similar question, and he came up with a similar th the answer to yourself, Colby. And he mentioned about care. Uh, players that care, players that are mentally resilient, players that have gone through things and come out of the other side. I mean, it's um, it's a it's a great lesson for everyone to, to to know what you know what people look for and what what characteristics um, coaches look for in players. You know. So yeah, and if you, you. if you take it to the if you take it to the highest level, I mean, you got a guy like Christian Pulisic, right? Yes. And he goes and he's comfortable at Borussia Dortmund, and he decides to play at Chelsea, and Lampard doesn't even include him in his side for numerous matches in a row. And that drove Christian to hire, where some people, I think, would have gotten really frustrated. That brought the best out of him. I, I would say that's the quality, right? Like, when the chips are against them, when something's not going well, it actually drives them to be better rather than um, being allowed to be pushed out. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Hi Colby, so we're, we're kind of like obviously moving to the questions now that we, we're trying to obviously build a, a, a kind of like a, a list of questions that girls will want to know that are going through the process, maybe a few years off the process as well, so lots of general questions that me and Matt have tried sure. to put together that we get fed back quite a lot from, from our perspective and hopefully you can lean your many years of experience on this. So, I mean, first up really is kind of like how many uh, girls does a typical college program look to recruit each year you know i would say probably low three or four high 10 or 11 depending on how many graduated in roster sizes okay great yeah and i suppose that all depends on i suppose you've got different coaches that are changing year on year and depending on how that roster's been yeah. stacked i guess as well that every every program yeah. will be pretty different on how their roster's set up with through the four-year cycle that you yeah, go through. i would say six or seven is probably pretty normal six or seven yeah. in a class Okay, that, that's great. And I suppose especially from, from your position now being a, a D1 coach, and this is the, the, the million-dollar question, Colby, so no pressure here, but is there, they always go basically like, is there something that stands out um, and what catches the eye of uh, a D1 coach for what really makes that great and makes the difference for, from your perspective? Yeah, and, and the, the first thing if I was talking to young people, I would say is it is a game of opinions. So if you have your heart set on a program and that coach doesn't particularly um, is it, is it, has decided not to recruit you, that, that's their opinion. You know, that's one coach. It, it's not personal um, because, you know, sometimes we you have players and you're just like, that's just not what we're looking for. You know, the things that we look for. Um, are the obvious, you got to have talent, right? You got to be athletic, you got to be technical. But like the things that go above and beyond that is at the end of the day, we're going to coach you for four, maybe five years. We always say, do we want to coach that person? Is that a person, a personality with high character that works hard? You know, we can, we can help a player grow, but a self-motivated, high character person who has talent is worth whatever scholarship they have. You know, a lot of the times you have the butt players, like where they're talented, but maybe they're not very self-motivated or they're self-motivated, but we're, we're looking for the complete package, right? You got to have some athleticism. Yeah. The college game is very athletic. You have to be good with the ball. You know, at the end of the day, having the ball is really important. You have to be willing, you know, coachable. Um, and, and I think all those things, you know, it's hard to speculate in terms of who's going to be good, but mentality and character seem to be something that translates at every level all the time. That's fantastic. Thanks for that. 
thanks that's really really kind of like insightful for the girls that like like you say that it's not just it's just one coach's opinion just because they may yeah. not get picked up by one place doesn't mean that they won't get picked up by another Colby can I ask you a yeah. question I'm on the, obviously on the boys side David's on the girls side at our club does the game differ yeah. between the boys and the girls side for you do you coach differently because of the different um, the boys and girls or is it is it the same information you give across cause, as it's the same game you know, that's a that's a really interesting question. The way that I what I figured out, and Anson Dorrance has some really good talks on this, I think the team dynamics is a little bit more different than the actual coaching. You know, I think both sexes, my experiences, are highly motivated. Yeah. Um, both have talent. Yeah, I, I think it has to do more with how you manage the team versus how you manage the individual with, with men and women, at, at least in my experience. I mean, our players are... Highly competitive, highly motivated, highly athletic. Like they want to be pushed to greatness. So my experience is those things are very similar. Um, you know, certainly U.S. Soccer just came out recently, and I disagree with all of their comments. Um, yeah, I think I think there's probably just some team dynamic stuff that's a little different with how maybe girls interact, women interact with each other, and how boys interact with each other. But I think the games are very very similar. No, thanks for that your experience. That's great. Thank you. That's it, yeah. So moving on to the next one is kind of like, where do you feel uh, that you find most of your players from in terms of recruitment? Is it something that you run through ID camps? Is it showcases? Or is it direct emails from players? What what generally seems to be the best way? So, or if you were a player, what, what would you go about in terms of getting a coach's uh, attention in terms of being able to make sure that you can, you can be seen essentially or have that contact? Yeah, I think showcases are most popular from an efficiency standpoint, right? It's a place that a college coach can go for three days and see hundreds, if not thousands of players. So that's probably like the most obvious answer. I think ID camps are becoming more and more popular. And the reason is, is you can get to know them as well as they get to know you. A lot of times the players are working it. You get to see how a coach coaches. You get to interact with them a little bit. Um, I mean, the, the one-day ID camps are becoming incredibly popular. Um, and then relationships with club coaches, you know, uh, I uh, have a relationship with Stevie, and he'll call and say, hey, Colby, I've got this player, and I think she's kind of looking for what you guys are about, and you'd really like her. You ought to come watch her. So I would see just existing relationships between college coaches and clubs, showcases, and, and ID camps are probably the top three if I were to. Oh, we're just losing Colby there. One second. I'm here. You got, there we go. Okay, yep. yeah. We all back, Colby? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, oh, right, okay. thank you. We just cut yeah. out for a second and we're back. Yeah. Uh, Colby, just you speaking then, um, just looking at a question from a, uh, a parent at the club, I can see. Um, and also, I, I mean, I, I, before I came to the US three years ago, we had, uh, I remember the English FA was saying, you've got to be aware of, as coaches that you tend to look for players um, that remind you of yourselves if you as a, a player yourself. You look for the qualities that you had in a player, that a lot of coaches do that, whether that's true or, true or not, I'm not sure. But we've got um, someone asking, do you look for toughness or speed? This is a personal question, Colby, sorry. So toughness or speed yeah. or technicality or get, what do you personally look for? I know you, the, hey, the full lot will be great. Is there anything you really look for for yourself? Yeah, so you know what I think we look for is we look for someone who impacts the game. Okay. And, I mean, if you look at pro players on the men's and women's side, all of the great ones have something that they probably do elite. Like, if I were to list a player, you would immediately go to one of their qualities, right? Yeah. Um, and so 
I think we're looking for someone who does something elite, and and we say like who score goals or, or stop goals. Like, is this in a creative player who can dribble or finish or play a final pass? If it's a defender, is this someone who can, you know, defend one v one or communicate? Or we're looking for players who have elite quality in one area and that impact the game when we show up. There's there's times we'll go and watch a player, you know, a bunch of times, and it's like they're always fine. But then there's players you go and they 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 impact them. You notice them immediately and throughout the game. That's that's what we look for: standout qualities and impact in the game. Totally understand that. That's that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. That's great, yeah. And obviously coming back to the, the actual recruitment process itself, I mean, obviously there's, there's lots of soccer profile sites out there that has thousands and thousands uh, of kids from all over the country listed on there. I mean, how has, been, how has your experience been with those sites? And is it, is it better to communicate directly through email um, if they were going to contact a college? Or would it be the, the sites that are generally useful and how do they come into play through the whole process? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I mean, I think if you were to talk to every player on our team, they probably have a different recruiting strategy. And, you know, you got the top of the top of the top who probably don't need anything, right? Like everyone knows who the top 10 players in the country are and we're all trying to get them. Yeah. You know, but then you have this large group of really talented young players who we are looking to find and they are looking to find the right fit. And I think any really mode that helps aid that process is good, right? Like, we don't use the recruiting sites too often, um, but that's just us. Like, there's other sports and other, other schools who would say it's crucial to their, you know, recruiting process. So I would say there's a million things. Relationships are key. You know, like, if I get a call from a friend of someone who I know who I've gotten a player from before, that obviously goes a long ways. Um, but, I mean, we're always – we don't – they don't have to be in a certain – club or league or have any i mean we were if we could find mia ham that played on a you know a recreational boys team i mean we, we want to find them they're a little harder to find which is why you know some being on a top club like yours can really help in the process because there's relationships and showcases and and some of those things yeah, that, that's fascinating. I mean, we always say, especially in the game, I know me, Matt, Steve always talk about it's, it's your connections and, and who you know that can open up doorways for players. And just because you, you're playing for a team that's got a, a big reputation or a big name doesn't necessarily indicate that that's going to help you at the end of the day. It's all about who you know and have you got those connections to go, look, I've seen this player, even if it's not necessarily our own club, I've seen this player, I think you should take a look at them. And it's, it's amazing how far that goes and probably something that parents don't fully understand or appreciate just because of the networking within the game. Unless you're at those levels and have those connections, it makes a huge, huge difference to helping that process along. It does, right? Being you use the word connections, I mean, that's it. Like, we don't, we don't totally care how the connection is made, mm. but the connections are, are a little more secure if there's existing relationships or there's some reference point. Um, and that's, that's really kind of what this is about, is how do we get people connected for good fits, you know? I mean, there's a top player that may not be a good fit for us or may be a great fit for us that someone else doesn't want. I mean, really what we're looking for is the same thing the player's looking for. We're looking for people who can fit well into our program and that's ultimately what we're looking for right 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I know for, from there in terms of that recruitment process, because this is all, all the, what the parents want to know, I know there's, there's lots of different rules and ethics that you have to follow, uh, but would you have to just describe on a, a general year, whether you're a high school freshman or a junior or a sophomore, what the, um, what the actual kind of like timelines would be for when you can make contact and when you can start receiving offers um, from there. So what the general timelines are each year for players. Yeah, so that's actually changed pretty dramatically within the last year or so. You know, so we now, June 15th is kind of the magical date going into their junior year. So we cannot even receive phone calls from players until that point. You know, they made a bunch of rules trying to slow down the recruiting process. Um, and I think, generally speaking, it's worked. So... You know, June 15th, I think, is kind of the, the freshman and sophomore year, I think, is trying to be seen and, and get an idea. And then June 15th, there, I mean, I'm guessing there's going to be some college coaches reaching out to some players and talking to, to them about their school. And then you can now go on an official visit in your junior year. It used to be your senior year. So now a school can pay for your visit to come and visit them in the junior year, which I think is incredibly beneficial, right? So if a player from you know California wants to go visit a school because they connected with someone that lives far away, you know, now the coach can pay for that. The university can pay for that. We're used to the player had to pay for that. So I think generally speaking, some of these rules are, are accomplishing the goals they set out for, which was to make recruiting a little less regional and then um, slow down the process. That, that's great. And I mean, in terms of that, I know a lot of kids kind of, they worry sometimes maybe that they, they're in kind of like their sophomore year and they're going, oh, well, I can't get contacts on my junior year. And then you've got some kids that haven't got offers in their junior year, but speaking to multiple college or maybe to lots of showcases. Is, I mean, obviously probably to put fears at rest a little bit for parents, but when do you think that they should start to worry? When, when's that kind of timeline where you think, I haven't actually got anything in the pipeline or things are going cold? When, when would that time come for, for a player to go, oh, this, this may not quite work out as I hoped? Yeah, so, you know, I've got two answers to that. One is, you know, my encouragement would be, there's no magic pill or wait for this to be done. And, you know, we saw it a little bit in early recruiting where one person on the team would commit and then it would kind of incite a little bit of panic or fear with some of the parents of, like, are we behind? And the reality is if you talk to every player on our team, and we won the SEC, right? We finished the season ninth. So we're what I would consider and most would consider to be a top Division One program. Every player on our team was recruited differently. We have kids that were going somewhere and the old coach got fired and they reopened it up and came here. We have kids who, you know, we had one player that we recruited as a freshman and she just decided she wasn't ready. She committed her senior year of high school. We have kids who committed as sophomores. I mean, there's a million ways to do this, and every one of our players was seen in a different mode. The connection was made differently. They committed at a different time. I mean, things things all kind of happen fast sometimes but like every player is going to have a different journey in that and i think that's okay yeah um and and then the second thing i would say is the, the fit is the most important you know i mean they go on the visit and they're wowed by these facilities and the coaches you know charming and all these things and you know i would say I, I think making as good an informed decision as possible is really important what are you looking for you know, what are the most, I ask a lot of the players when they come on visits, like, what do you, what is most important? And they're like, soccer and academics. I was like, I know, but what part of soccer? Like, playing as a freshman, do you want to be a big fish in a little pond? Do you want to play at the highest level you can? You know, what, 
Do you want to win a national championship? You know, is winning not important? You want to develop as a person? Is it you want fun? There's a million things you could want. I think figuring that out and finding the program that you think will help provide that is really, really important. More so than a timeline, honestly. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I understand. That's great. I mean, I've just um, going back to the field, Colby. Um, do your teams that you coach have a particular style of play? Do, do you like to um, to impose your kind of style to the team? And a second question on top of that is, if you if you're a young player trying to want to be wanting to be a pro now, what would be the best? What would be the best route to become a pro? What, how would you go about it if you was a young player and that was your aspiration? Yeah, I think, I think you know, this is going to sound really cliche, but I mean this. I think focusing on the development piece is really important. Yeah. Um, and then it, it just, you, you have to, this is going to sound really cliche, but I think it's real. Like, I think you have to focus on getting better every opportunity. You know, if you're a player who wants to be a pro and yet you go to the training session and you're not finding a way to get better, you're not going to be a pro probably, you know, because it's such a small margin of error at the top. I mean, I think you can become a pro from any program in the country. I think there's like a D2 player who got drafted this year. Really? Um, I think you can, I think you can get, you know, really, I think you can, I think you can become a pro from any program. I think it's really just about the, the drive and the motivation and the, you know, just focusing on getting better every day. Um, I think that would probably be the number one, you know, over any other, you know, we've had players that like, Hey, can you help get me to the next level? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we can provide a competitive soccer environment where you'll play with and against the best players in the world, but you're going to have to be the one that gets you there. You know, it's kind of, is, is our, is our take on that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do, 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 you, do your teams have a particular style of play, Colby? Do you like... Yeah, we're a pressing, a really, really high pressing um, attacking team. You know, we scored 62 goals. Wow. So we score a lot of goals. Yeah. We play a really fast, up-tempo, high, like, it's a pressing, you know, it's a pressing team. Yes. And then do you, do you find that most teams you play against have the similar, or is everyone different? Do people have different styles, different ways to play? Do some teams sit and drop off and soak up the pressure? Do some teams go direct in possession? Do you find that it's a different type of game every time you play, or is it pretty much similar similar kind of games that you play in? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about our country and I hope it doesn't go away, and college soccer, is everyone plays differently. It's great. You know, what I actually think makes the game beautiful is the diversity. Yeah. I mean, you got some... Visit, I mean, it's the same in the, the English Premier League, right? Or some of these countries where you've got all these teams in the top division and they all play so differently, you know, and there's all these fascinating, you know, tactics being implemented. And different. I mean, you got James Vardy as a center forward. He was like an old beerly guy, you know, yeah. who just is fast and tough and... Yeah fantastic in front of goal but he has some weaknesses in his game yeah. and it's like the blending of all these different styles and personalities and fitting it into some kind of cohesive team that i think is really really fun about what our sport is no, i totally agree that's um, that's great to see that that's that, that's great um Col- colby do you do you re- uh, recruit players who go to community colleges yeah i mean again that's a great question i mean i 
we when we do these recruiting talks, a lot of times the questions are really specific. Yeah. Like, do you use video? Do you? Re I mean, yeah. I, we will recruit a player that can help us win from anywhere. Okay. You know, there's like, for, she's at a junior college. Great. She's two years older. Like. Is she good enough to help us? Is she on a small club? Is she in a big club? You know, we get a lot of, do they have to be in the DA or these, you know, there's, there's some ways that are a little easier to find the connection. Yeah. But once the connection's been found, really the question that matters is, are they a good fit? Yeah. And and will will they be good enough to help win soccer games, you know, at our level? Yeah. I mean, those are the two questions. And do they have work rate and character, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. how we found them isn't nearly as important for us. That's great. Yeah. That's a great comment. And then, obviously, looking on the, the academic side as well, so, obviously, for, for kids going through the prospect, the SAT and ACT scores, how, how big an impact does that have kind of on your recruiting process? Yeah, so I think every school is probably different. I mean, some schools will have minimum standards where you have to have, you know, X, Y, and Z in your ACT or SAT score. A lot of the schools will have academic scholarships. So I think the impact on the college is probably less and the impact on the player and the parent is probably more. I mean, you can stack scholarships at some schools where you're getting academic and athletics money. You know, a low ACT or SAT score may knock some schools out of the running. You know, if you have a low score, you may not be able to get into certain schools. So I would say when we're recruiting them, I mean, it's important for how attractive we can make a financial offer. Um, it's important of can we get you in the school. And when I say we, I don't mean Arkansas. I just mean as a college coach, right? Yes, of, yes yeah. You know, I think the impact is probably more so on the player um, than it is on the, the university. Yeah, that's that's great, Colby. So, I mean, in terms of that whole recruiting process and the the academics part, I mean, it's it's obviously like every every college is different about how they go go about yeah. that. Would you say that there's a, a minimum baseline that you think I don't know a, an SAT score of X? kind of like covers the bases from from your experience is there something you could say that this is a nice middle of the road that's going to find you kind of like accepted to most colleges so kids don't fall fall short um, not i mean for me it's 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 and some of that is going to come into the fit right of where the stuff are it's probably going to met the academic needs of the school you're going to and you know again i think it is about fit and what are you looking for and, and what, you know, floats your boat, if you will, like what motivates you? What are you looking for um, versus, you know, what is the school providing? Um, I mean, I think fit is incredibly important. You know, it's interesting. There's this debate out there of do you go to the school and then play on the soccer team or do you make the soccer team when you're making decision? I think that's up to the individual. I mean, the soccer program you are involved in is a really big part of your experience at that school. It's the coach. It's the players you're playing with. You spend a lot of time with them. But at the end of the day, your academics are going to be infinitely more important because that's going to, you know, determine way more than just. I mean, even if you go play pro, most pro, pro, plays, uh, pro soccer players don't play but a few years. You know, your academics is going to be the thing that provides for you for the rest of your life. So um, it's an interesting, you know, uh, conversation for sure. That, that's fantastic and I know obviously probably leading on from, from that area and moving into the scholarships I mean obviously like you said that there's different ways that people can make that up whether it's a, an academic portion whether it's a, an athletic portion as well so I mean 
how how would you um, or kind of like a gem, general coaches across the board? How would that makeup be be kind of like put together, and how would that process be made? Because obviously there's there's only a certain amount of money that you have in a pot, and generally, how does that get shared out across the four years and all the kids that are going through that process? So, I mean, quite an open ended question, but really, how does that whole scholarship money pot play out for most colleges? Yeah, I mean, that, that is, that is a, you know, if you talk with all the coaches across the country, you know, we have different scholarship rules and different scholarship amounts. And, you know, some schools can stack academic money and some people can't. And, you know, so I would just say, like, th this is money is obviously an important part of the decision. You know, for us, someone comes in and basically is just wanting to know who the highest bidder is. We're not that interested in that player. You know, like, I, we, you have to make college work. It's expensive. Finances are certainly an important part of the process. But if, if a coach just comes in and starts says, well, so-and-so offered us this, you know, what can you do? You know, for this is, this is a relationship for four years. You know, this is, this would be like my wife being like, well, what kind of date are you going to take me on? You know, like, that's not really how we want to start the conversation. So for us, like, we are, we are just, I think, an upfront conversation about, you know, hey, here's, here's kind of what we would need um, to afford college. And, you know, what are you guys able to do? And what does that look like? But if for the families where money is like, it's a contest of like, you know, I always joke, there's this office um, episode where they're saying he loves Christmas because that you can say how much I love you this many dollars. Like <laughs> it isn't always just that. Right. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into scholarship offers. And some of it is how much we have. You know, sometimes you graduate a big class. Sometimes you don't graduate very, very much. Um, so for me, I mean, I think it's important. My, my, my take for parents and, and I'm a parent would be, you know, to figure out what you could afford. And then try to find a school that fits into those parameters. Um, and, and if your player's good and they're doing work and the relationships and the connections are made, you'll probably have a few choices and then yeah. pick the school that fits within the financial parameters that, that you think would be a great fit for helping develop your daughter or son. Yeah. Uh, Colby, since players can't communicate directly with coaches, how do, what's the best way to get the attention of a head coach um, and know they're on the radar? kind of thing yeah that's so that's a really good that's a really good question because it's this is all new right yeah used to they could call us at any point yeah so i would say emails are good yeah. you know the email should probably be short you know we're not going to read i mean we're not going to read long emails so just a really quick short email that says you know dear coach you know so and so i just want to let you know i have an interest in your school um, it has to do with your location, the level you play at, and my, you know, grandfather went there. Um, yeah. I'm gonna be. Here's my schedule. Here's my club coach's cell phone. You know, I'll let you know when my next game is. Great. Yeah, just something, just kind of quick and brief. And then, if this is like a real, like this is your dream school, and the and the club coach thinks that you're good enough. Yeah. I think certainly a reach out from the club coach to the coach, just saying, hey, if you get a chance, maybe watch this kid. You know, she's she's pretty athletic. I think her best soccer's ahead of her. Here's her schedule. Perfect. And that way we know, um, you know, that person has interest and they kind of become on our radar. And an ID camp's the ultimate best way, right? Yeah. I mean, you come to someone's ID camp and you're investing some of your money. That gives us a pretty good indication that you have a real interest. Um, and a lot of colleges are doing like these one and two days, which have kind of lowered the cost, you know, a little bit. 
Brilliant. Um, that's great. I think you've answered probably my next question there were about keeping what what sticks out in email, short emails, long emails, lots of information, brief things. So I think that's a great um, thing for our players to listen to that because I know a lot of um, a lot of kids are thinking, well, what kind of stuff I need, do I need to put on there to stand out? Do videos matter? Yeah, they think I sometimes get the question, sorry, Colby, that do videos matter? Do I send lots of videos of myself so this college, particular college coach can see me playing? And things like that so so here, here's what i would say about videos is i think they're a great introduction if you send us a 10 minute video where you have a three minute i mean we're not watching that but if you sent us a one and a half minute video that just showed us a little bit of highlights about you what that does is it gives us an idea if you're on the spectrum right like yeah. oh yeah she was good we wouldn't make a decision based on that at least most college coaches wouldn't but a lot of times you may just say hey that that was that was pretty useful i liked her she was pretty fast let's put her on our list when we go to the next showcase um another thing that's pretty good is questionnaires most universities have like an online questionnaire that you could fill out yeah. if you just go to their website fill out their online questionnaire that a lot of times is going to let you know and any time a university sending something out like a soccer program sending out camp information or whatever a lot of times that's a uh, an email and an address database that they will use to send that stuff out to keep you informed great great thank you for that thanks colby yeah, that's great. And I know, obviously, with us being in California, I mean, a lot of the California players generally tend to, to stay around this this area in general and the, the kind of like um, adjacent states. So, I mean, what would you say to them if they're deciding to look elsewhere and obviously the, the distances and how California kids are generally viewed from the male and female side, that it's, it's a real hotbed here? What would you say yep. to them that they're looking at elsewhere in the country or maybe some words of encouragement to maybe look in other parts of the country and, and how well and how highly regarded this area is? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. You know, I think it's changing now that the university can pay for the visit. You know, I mean, you used to, two years ago, you would ask a player from, you know, you'd have a phone conversation with someone from California. The player would get excited about that phone conversation, have a connection with the coach, and then the parents would look at it and be like, yeah, we're not spending $2,500 to go out and visit the university of whatever, right? Yeah. Well, now that player can go visit. If the, if the university is serious, like it's North Dakota, and she always wanted to know what North Dakota was about. I mean, if, if she's serious about going, she can use one of her five visits, or he can use one of those five visits to go out and visit. You know, if, if I lived in California, my daughter was pretty sure she wanted to go there. I would probably encourage her to try to go to one out of state just to check something else out. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as it fit into our financial, you know, means. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, and here's what, here's what's interesting about the different parts of the country is that even the athletics experience is really different. You know, like the conferences have a really distinct style to them, like all the big conferences. And, you know, you can go and be a really big fish in a small pond or you can go and test yourself. You know, I mean, you got is, is going to other sports important, you know, like college sports is a little bit bigger part of life in some parts of the country, you know, where. You know, in the northeast part of the country, maybe the Patriots are the biggest thing, you know, or if you yeah. go somewhere else. So I just yeah. think exploration is important, finding fit. But if they're sure, I mean, you know, why visit somewhere else, I guess? Yeah. yeah. 
That's that's fantastic, and uh, a little bit going kind of like off on a bit of a tangent, really, because I know it's something that I've been asked uh, by parents as well, and I don't know the full answer to this. Obviously, not being in the college game um, in terms of myself, but in terms of the redshirt criteria, like how does it work? Like what programs and classes affect playing time, and kind of like how does the whole redshirt criteria work across the NCAA now? Yeah, so it, to redshirt without medical issues, you you have to play in zero minutes. But if you play in one minute in a regular game, you cannot redshirt. Now, if you get medically redshirted, um, I believe it's six or seven games, depending on how many games you play in. Uh, if you play more than that, so if you if you have a you know an injury in your fifth game, um, then you would most likely as long as the doctor's okay and be able to medically redshirt. So there's two kinds. One is you redshirt, which means you have five years to play four. You just didn't play any games in one of those. That would be the traditional redshirt. And then the second one is medical, which is you had a medical reason for playing in a um, benchmark less than the NCAA is deemed where you could play in those games. So football has some different rules, but for soccer, those are the two basic kinds of redshirts. Okay, fan- fantastic. And I know, obviously, especially with you being a, a D1 school, and I suppose this comes back to how parents and players choose the, the college that they're looking for and what's the right fit for them. I know there's a, the, the general board is kind of like, well, if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, um, then D1 may not necessarily be a good fit for them potentially so i mean what would you say to people that are trying to balance up that academic side where historically um kind of like your your lawyers and your doctors may not necessarily be a good fit because of the commitment time and the programs and the classes so just wondering what your advice would be at how that whole balancing act would work between certain programs and classes and then going into playing time and the whole athletic side of it yeah i mean I don't, I don't think that's probably the case at all. Um, I mean, I couldn't speak for every program, but can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we had a player that went in, she's a rocket scientist. She double majored in physics and chemical engineering, and she works for NASA. Like, <laughs> I, I think you can do anything you want. Where you actually run into some of the issues is some of the, some of the majors, like nursing, have practicums that interfere with, um, like, training times as you get older. So I would say, like, we would, most college coaches would be willing to work with any kind of major to make the soccer work and also help them reach their dreams. I think you could go anywhere. I mean, law school is post-grad. Like, you go to law school after you're done with your undergrad. I think you could do anything you wanted from just about any school you wanted to go to. Yeah, that's yeah. I suppose that eases a lot of a lot of pressure on parents because I know there's there's a lot of things saying that if you want to focus on this and you're spending so much money on the actual academics because that's what they want to come out with, and then you balance up the scholarship. I suppose there's there's a lot of juggling acts to be decided. So I suppose that allays a lot of fears for people. But then, like you say, he's trying to balance up everything else that's in that package. Yeah, I think I think what you could probably do is on the visit, like ask that question, say, hey, do you have my so. I'm a, I'm a 17-year-old, you know, boy, and I really want to be a doctor. Do you have some examples of people who have gone on to med school that have played here? Like, I think I would just ask some questions on the visit. You know, you don't want to say, would you let me? Because a coach, you know, could say anything they want. But just, hey, do you have some examples of people who have done this yeah. um, while they've been here? Yeah. And I, I will bet, I mean, we have lots of players that have gone on to med school. And law. I mean, most schools probably do if you've been at the school for a while. I would say they'd probably be able to come up with lots of examples to help ease your mind. Yeah. 
That's right. Um, Colby, last couple of questions before we let you go. Uh, we do appreciate your time. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, without stating the obvious, I mean, uh, there's obviously we've got have the USSDA and ECNL uh, levels, uh, which, you know, are rated like the highest, maybe. Do you also look at maybe the other top leagues? Maybe over here we have the Discovery League. We have, obviously, the Flight One teams. Um, does it go in a, a kind of order of we look at this first and then we'll go... You know, without being too obvious. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's just a matter of like efficiency and part of the country you're on. You know, I mean, okay. you've got some parts of the country where maybe the top players don't play in one of those leagues. Yes. You know, the the, the top the top quote unquote leagues just have the benefit of of efficiency. I mean, you can go and see a larger portion of top players in one area. Um, you know, and you're, but at the same time, I mean, we, like I said, we will go anywhere. Yeah. Like you asked about the best players. I yes. coached a player named Alini Reyes, who plays goalkeeper for Brazil. I found her on some random futsal court in Brazil, <laughs> you know, based on a tip I got. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, coaches were, will go anywhere to find players that they think will be a great fit. Yeah. And I can tell you stories of players that played on the most random club teams <laughs> and ended up being really, really good. Um, so, you know, the ECNL and the DA, they do a really good job of condensing the talent so we can go to these showcases and see lots of players. Yeah. But we go to USYSA events. We go to local events. We yeah. go to the high school events. We go to, you know, I mean, we'll go anywhere where we think we can we can find players. Brilliant. That's brilliant. That's, that's great. And obviously, we'll just come into the last question or two now. Um, so for, for a Division One player, what would their, their weekly training schedule and how many hours a week would they train? So what would a normal, a normal week or season or year look for a D1 player? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I'm sure coaches do it different, you know, so I'll try to probably give like a really vague, like, you know, the NCAA allows you 20 hours per week of what they call uh, training mandatory stuff so that includes anything in the weight room video review you know stuff like that you're allowed 20 hours up to uh, a week we don't normally get to 20 hours but we probably get pretty close in season um and then you know the in-season portion is a lot about the matches you know it's a lot about preparing to play matches on the weekends thursday sunday friday sunday whenever the league plays um and then the spring is a little bit more about individual development you know and and you have eight hour portion and then you have a 20 hour portion the eight hour there's some limitations on how often you use a ball um but you know for the most part during season i mean it's it's pretty intense it's a it's academics um you know athletics and then taking care of yourself you know nutrition and sleep and you know those kind of things so but but i would say you know post postseason um and i don't mean no postseason i mean after your season and the off season I, I think it's probably a little bit more balanced in your life um but it's you know you're required to have one day off per week um i think that's every level um and when they take it is probably up to the coach but you know it's a it's a it's a pretty intense training environment i would think if you're getting to the d1 level yeah, that's great. Hey, Colby, I just I don't we don't want to keep you much more of your time. We it's gone one o'clock, one p.m. now. So uh, just on behalf of the club and uh, obviously all of the um, the the, um, the players and the parents that are listening to you there this afternoon, we just want to thank you really you know much for your time. Uh, we know it's precious, and we just want to thank you. I've actually just had a message from Steve Miles and telling him he wanted to tell you your top class, and uh, he really appreciates you doing this for us at the club. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I look forward to, to meeting you guys in person and getting out there and seeing you guys. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's great. Thank you ever so much for your time.
Yep, thank you guys. Thank you, Colby. Hi guys, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll stay online for another couple of minutes or so. Um, obviously taking your questions, but obviously I hope you enjoyed that insight from a D1 coach who's coached at the very highest level at D1 as well, uh, UCF, and obviously with Amanda Cromwell at UCLA, just to give you his insight. And we tried to encompass as many questions as we possibly could uh, throughout the time that we had in there. And obviously a lot of questions kind of like crossed over in different word shapes and forms, but hopefully you've got all the answers that you you needed and obviously we will be touching base over this time now with with other college coaches professional coaches and players as well to give you their insights and thoughts uh, of what it is like to be a college player and how they got there on their journey as well so we will be doing that over the the coming weeks and uh, apologies that uh, Facebook live wasn't working I mean literally it's still just spinning around in the background now so I think Facebook live is down across the board um, so I'm not sure what happened there so thanks thanks for your patience on that um, I no, obviously we had planned to do the England versus USA women's game from the summer. Uh, what we will do is we'll, we'll bump that later down into the week because I know obviously you've got schoolwork to do, you've got your own training programs to do, and obviously lots of things. Your parents will be running around the house trying to make things, sure things are all okay at this uh, precious time. So we'll leave that for now. We'll bump that further down into the week. So hold your questions on the match analysis area, but we will be back on Wednesday. We'll be going live on Instagram for sure, and hopefully Facebook Live is working. And I think people are just using it way too much right now. You know, we've also got just to cut, Dave. Sorry, David. Uh, we've got we have plans to have uh, two really really special guests this week. Um, Wednesday, we've got a, a real special guest um, who used to be a, a pro soccer player and a former international and played for one of the best teams in the world. So hopefully that will work out for Wednesday. And then on Friday, we've got um, someone else who's played at the very top level and uh, played in the Premier League and uh, plays out, uh, uh, has played abroad and coaches in, abroad now in, the, in another country. So um, lots of questions for them too as well. And also if you w- want to speak to, not so much anyone in particular, but just someone, uh, like we mentioned before, from any, any other um, like coaches or players or ex-players or maybe it might be an agent or um, current uh, MLS player, we'll try and, whatever we can do, we're going to try and answer as many questions as we can and give you as much uh, information as we can over these these next few weeks. That's great, guys. So um, hopefully, if you've got any questions, please feed back to your coaches. Um, if your coaches come and answer your question, then I'm sure me, Matt, Hector and Shay can as well. Um, so any problems with your programme, let us know. And obviously, we'll be continuing to uh, work through the restraints and confinements that we have currently and hopefully providing with as much information as we can throughout this time. So uh, look forward to seeing you all on Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Thank you.